If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. Uh, that's why on your favorite podcast platform, it's re- it reads, Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report, even in 2023. That's right. It's our first episode of 2023, and the title of this podcast is still confusing, and the network still hasn't told me anything about saying that it's weird so everybody loses i guess um uh anyways on to this week's uh amazing guest uh proprietor of long-standing uh beloved la comedy institution dow comedy studio located now in koreatown and accomplished touring comedian herself please give it up for bobby oliver everybody yay hi bobby how's it going happy new year hey jake happy new year thanks for having me you're welcome even though we already said happy new year off pod (laughs) we're just gonna say everything we said before again okay cool because i did write a set list down off of everything (laughs) we talked about um we are three days into 2023 as we are recording. How how's it going so far? I mean, Dow's Dow's open now. Yes, as of tonight. So we were supposed to open last night, um, but I live in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Chris and I live in Pasadena, and Pasadena has the Rose Parade oh, yeah. and the Rose Bowl game typically mm-hmm. on January 1st of every right. year. Yeah. <clears throat> but because it was on a Sunday mm-hmm. and because I don't know, the the Christians got mad. I don't know what happened. Uh-huh. Um, they moved the parade to Monday. Wow. And we can't get in and out of our street. Like it's a huge hassle to leave here. We have we have you have to go through these barriers and you have to have passes and right. we're not allowed to park on our street for several days right. because our street is the staging area for the horses. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. Do they so, compensate you at all for this? No, they give us free tickets to go look at the floats later. Wow. How nice of them. Yeah, and you know what? We have to pay to park on our street. That's insane. And do they compensate us for not being able to park there three days? No. 
No, that's crazy. And I've seen the stands for the Rose Parade have been up for months. Yes. It basically, they uh, they start setting up in June. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, I think finish. that's one day. It's just one day. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like how, I mean, I guess it takes a long time to set all those up. And people had start, because you have to camp out the night right. before and able to go right. in order to go. Um, so people were just like leaving chairs and all their stuff, like up on all these random, like sidewalks and stuff and just like leaving. Right. That's crazy. We've never been, I would, if you ever hear me say Mm -hmm. that I'm at the parade, Uh then you know that I've been kidnapped. (laughs) Oh yeah. This is like, uh, like a hostile situation and someone's created a fake alibi. Right. Because <laughs> I'm not, first of all, why Why would you sleep on the sidewalk in the, on like the coldest night of the year? Yeah. Oh, and it was raining the, on New Year's Eve this year. And where do you pee? That's always my big question. Where do you sure. pee? Sure. Uh, you walk down Colorado until you get that bridge. Suicide bridge? Yeah, the suicide. <laughs> they still call it that? Yeah. Although they put up all these like, like chain link fence. Fences on either side, like blocking out the really pretty architecture of it. But like, I get it. Right. Um, But yeah, it's harder to kill yourself there now. Right. Yeah. And from what I've under come to understand, that there was motions to put those nets in place decades ago, but it was voted against because it didn't look nice. Yeah, and then they said they did it because. the people underneath were really traumatized every time they walked out their front door and there was a dead body laying on the sidewalk. Yeah, that that sounds lo- logical. Yeah, they, so they did it for the rich people uh-huh. to look at the dead body, not to protect someone from killing themselves. Right, right. Yeah, because that's money talks. Right, that's how America works. Right. So how is, you live in Pasadena, how is comedy in Pasadena these days, especially knowing that LA's oldest comedy club is still not open, although it did survive? Well, so you're talking about the Ice House. I'm talking about the Ice House, which yeah. is owned by the son of Jerry Buss, so I learned. Isn't that a Lakers person? Yeah, Jerry Buss was, you know, if you guys watch Winning Time on HBO, you'll like he brought Magic Johnson to the Lakers and started a Lakers dynasty. So, uh, I, I taught comedy at the Ice House for nine years mm-hmm. before I opened Dow, which, by the way, is having its 10th anniversary party Thursday. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so, hopefully, you'll come. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So, I taught at the Ice House for nine years, and it was owned by Bob Fisher. Mm-hmm. And right before the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, Bob sold it to that mm-hmm. Lakers guy, not yeah. knowing that it was going to be a lockdown. Right. But yeah, sold it perfect. T- you know, we almost bought the Ice House. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and Barbara and Dave from Flappers almost bought the Ice House. We were, uh, wow. he, he was going to put it up for sale once, and we checked into it, and they checked into it, and then mm. it ended up he wanted a crazy amount of money, and he wasn't even going to sell you the building. Wow. You still okay. had to pay like 5000 a month for the building. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, so, so, yeah, you would be leasing it from Bob? Yeah, and he would, like, sell you um, the Ice House name and, like, the chairs and the plates and stuff for a million dollars. Wow. Yeah. You would would have to take a loan out for that, yeah? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, we no, I just half a million dollars. Well, uh, that Lakers guy, I'm assuming, had. That oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He didn't care. So anyway, so Barb and Dave went on to open Flappers. Right. And we went on to open Dale Comedy Studio. Right. Yeah. So and they, they started, from my understanding, they were shut down for a year like we all were. And then they started renovation mm-hmm. when they could be open. Yeah. That's <laughs> how you know they have money. They didn't yeah. do the renovation when they had to be closed anyway. Right. So I have no idea if it's open yet or not. Yeah. According to an interview with uh, Magic Johnny Johnson. Bus, Johnny Bus. Not, oh, Magic <laughs> Johnson. Oh, then it would be, he would change it to Magic Johnson's Ice House. Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, he said that they could open this month, but is there, he's choosing to open in February, um, because he wants to have staff hired and trained. So as soon as the door opens, uh, everything runs smoothly. Although that would be a first. <laughs> yeah, that would be a first, which is almost kind of like just open, like something's yeah. going to go wrong and you'll just, you'll deal with it. Yeah, I guess he fired all the staff and he's got new staff coming in. I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, I'm sure this all the staff that was there, like they've found something else because the ice house has been dark since 2020. Yeah. 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 So. And really before that, if we're being honest. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. Um, so with that, got, which was basically the center of comedy in Pasadena, I think there were like maybe two or three bar shows and a couple mics. Um, what's going on now? Um, if there is, since the Pasadena Comedy closed, if there is anything going on in Pasadena besides the Ice House, I don't know what it is. Yeah, there is one show called Harboiled that I think is somewhere in Old Town. Um, Old Town is cool. Yeah, run by Christy Bana, I want to say. And that that's that's all that I know. Oh, there yeah. used to be a Barney's Beanery show, yeah? Probably. There yeah. is a Barney's Beanery here, and they do sh- shows there. Yeah. I mean, I mostly just perform out in L.A. Yeah, which is, know? I mean, uh, you can you can live as far as you'd like from L.A., but there's kind of no escaping the gravity of the scene you know, as it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to just work to build up a comedy scene in Pasadena. Yeah, no, you definitely took location, location, location to heart, and Koreatown is very central as opposed to Pasadena. Well, and you, I think you know that I used to produce the Eagle Rock Comedy Festival for I four do, years. I do remember. You did it, right? I did not, I went, but I, I very much remember it being along um, Eagle Rock Boulevard and uh, York. Well, Colorado in Eagle Rock Boulevard. Oh, Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. Yeah. It was yeah. it was like a comedy crawl. Yeah. It was like 17 shows over three nights. And so right. you could like go into like this. The, our headquarters was the sandwich shop, Dave's Chillin' and Grillin'. Dave's Chillin' and Grillin'. I very yes. much remember that. Where I used to produce an open mic there. Yeah. Um, but and then it would be like in Swart Coffee or the bookstore, like where Maria Bamford used to have her shows in that little bookstore. Right. right. And, you know, uh, yeah, the bar. Leche. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be like, you know, all up and down the street. Well, now I think she's at Cafe de Leche. She was, but she used to be at this tiny little, I think it was called, it's called Read Books. Right. Or Read Books. <laughs> what, a, what a great name. What a great name. Well, yeah. Maria now 
she probably doesn't live too too far from you. She lives in Altadena. Yeah, we both used to live in in past uh, Eagle Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to her house many times. It wasn't that far. Um, and then I don't know when she moved to Altadena, but we moved to Pasadena five years ago. Right. And uh, well, speaking of which, there is a new venue that isn't like stand up centric. It's more like clown and sketch and improv focus called public displays of altadena that oh. happened last year there's also some kind of puppetry thing in highland park oh yeah so bob baker marionettes the, oh, maybe that, yeah that's what it is uh that used to be just outside of downtown forever for decades and if you look up bob baker he's actually like a historic you know figure in puppetry and he like I think he built like hundreds and hundreds of marionettes, which were all housed at this theater. And then, you know, greedy developers offered a deal and um, they promised, I think the deal that was worked out is they were going to get a bunch of money and then they were going to have a theater. They were going to pay for a, the new theater to be built where, where it is now on York. And I think 50th, uh our avenue 50 and uh yeah it took a long time for all of that to happen um but yeah that building now is going to be like luxury apartments or whatever that nobody can afford it's going to be more yeah. affordable housing just what we need in la yes um and yeah who, who's who's going to take up those you know those units yeah um so in how long has Dow Comedy been running? So uh so full history. Uh-huh. I started doing comedy in nineteen eighty-eight in college, which is where I met Chris, my husband, who had al- who had already done comedy twice before then. Oh wow. Did you guys meet at an open mic? No, we I started a comedy group at our college. Oh, okay. Because I was I was 19 and the punchline said you had to be 21 to get in. Right. So I started a comedy group. I produced the first show I was ever in. Wow. I actually produced the first like three or four shows I was ever in. Right. I, I wasn't able to even do an open mic at the punchline until I turned 21. Right. Um, so started doing comedy 88. Uh, moved to Athens in 91, Athens, Georgia. I went on the road from there for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, moved to LA in 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, started teaching comedy at PCC in 2004. Mm. Uh, and then I left there and opened Old Dow mm-hmm. uh, about 10 years ago now. Wow. And we, we were at Old Dow for five years, and then we moved into New Dow. We've been there for five years. And then, as you know, mm-hmm. during the pandemic, our neighbors next door moved out and mm-hmm. we took over their business, completely remodeled it, put a door mm-hmm. between the two, put in a wheelchair accessible bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have control over the whole patio and the whole parking lot. Um, and we have two small rooms. So it's like a the comedy compound. Yeah, there you go. But yeah. but, da- but Dow has a nicer ring to it than Comedy Compound. <laughs> Sounds like we're 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 packing, we're um, armed, right? Which we may or may not be. And, <laughs> and I produced the uh, I've produced the Lap Right Girl Festival for mm-hmm. I think eight years now. Eight years. 
Wow. Yeah. Now, for those who don't know or are unfamiliar, why is it called Dow Comedy Studio? Uh, because I wrote a book called The Dow of Comedy, mm-hmm. Embrace the Pause. Right. And we are primarily a comedy school. We identify as a school, right? <laughs> not as a comedy club, although we do do shows and open mics and stuff. Right, right, right. Um, so when it came time to open the place, I, you know, just right, basically right. named it kind of after my book. And what what inspired you to call your book that? So, um, you know, I'm from Georgia, a small town in Georgia, and I was raised Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm an atheist. Yeah, you are. I went running, screaming into the night away mm-hmm. from that. But when we moved to Athens, where UGA is, mm-hmm. the UGA radio station every Sunday would play lectures by this um this Buddhist scholar named Alan Watts. Oh, I know Alan Watts. Yeah. Yes. And so I just became captivated. Mm-hmm. With the philosophies, you know, he he speaks a lot. Of, he's a theologian. He's was spoke a lot a lot about a lot of religions, but he his favorite topics were Taoism and Zen Buddhism. Right. So I became basically a Taoist, mm-hmm. um, or what you would also call a secular Buddhist. Sure. Um, and so when I started teaching comedy, so it was kind of separate. Like you know, I was a comedian and I was a Buddhist. You know, mm-hmm. and they were kind of separate. But when I started teaching comedy, like, you know how you know how to do what you know how to do, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily know how to explain to other people how to do mm-hmm. what you know how to do. Mm-hmm. So when I started teaching comedy, I had to learn how to teach comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so people would ask me questions like, what should I write about? Mm-hmm. And I would respond, well, what do you care about? Right. And they would ask, what is my persona? And I would respond, who's asking the question? Mm-hmm. And then I realized, like, it dawned on me one day that I was answering them in things I'd learned from Taoism and Zen Buddhism. Right. And the reason I was answering them that way is because, to me, the answer was the most organic answer, mm-hmm. the least contrived. Mm-hmm. Like, people say, should I walk over there? I'm like, do mm-hmm. you feel like walking over there? What? Uh-huh. You know, it's <laughs> like saying, should I sneeze? Did you have to sneeze and then you sneezed? Then you should have sneezed, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I realized that, when it dawned on me that I was actually teaching the Tao of comedy, mm-hmm. I decided to go back and do even more research uh, into Taoism and Zen Buddhism. And so basically the book is about using uh, mindfulness and meditation mm-hmm. to cultivate a state of mind from which comedy continuously arises. Right. So it's not formulas. It's not this hack, do this and then put this emotion on it and do, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can only talk about one thing and what, you know, it's just about the most organic. The Tao means the path or the way. Yeah. You know what that makes me think of? Um, It makes me think of Mitch Hedberg scheduling daydreaming into his daily routine to there and after write jokes. Yes. Because he wanted to get into a, a state of wonder. Yeah, I mean, I believe that um, being in the present moment is your access point. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not the only one that believes that. I mean, John Cleese thinks you should meditate for three hours before you write. (laughs) John Cleese has a lot of time on his hand. He does. We don't. Um, But yeah, that's... uh, That's basically the philosophy that you, you... You know, if you want something, first pursue nothing. 
because mm-hmm. something needs a space to move into. Mm-hmm. You know, we all want that big aha moment. Sure. But if the voice in our head is just running 24-7 and like labeling everything as we walk down the street, woman, that car, tree, you know, mm-hmm. then there's no room for that aha moment. No. You know, I've read the book, The Tao of Physics, and mm-hmm. Frijav Capra says, every great problem in science was solved and every great leap in science occurred when the mm-hmm. scientists left the lab right. and left the chalkboard and went for a walk. Right. Or took a shower. Right. Or took a nap and put right. space between them and the problem. Yeah. I mean, there I'm I'm sure it probably has a name as a phenomenon, but like a lot of people have their best ideas in the toilet. Yeah, because you're relaxed. Yeah. I always say you don't choose the joke, the joke chooses you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I think there's so much, both as an audience and as somebody who writes and performs comedy, you're not even necessarily in charge of what you find funny. It's just like innate. Yeah, your job is to just, first of all, show up in your own life, mm-hmm. be as present as possible, mm-hmm. and then to have as few seconds as humanly possible between the time an idea comes to you and you somehow get it down mm-hmm. on your phone or in your notebook or on your arm or on napkin. Uh-huh. You know, whatever it is, the universe has chosen you for that idea. Your job is to write it down. Right, right. Uh, do you have a, do you have have you wrote a bunch of ideas on your arm that you later have to wipe off? I haven't because I always well before the phone was a thing that was attached to my body at all right. times. Right. I always carried a notebook and mm-hmm. pen everywhere I went. Right. You know. Which I- I'm glad to see there are plenty of comedians who still do that because there there is a sensation to putting pen to paper. Yes. That I think is somehow sparks like a different like set of synapses that are more creative than just like typing with your thumbs. Yeah, I agree. I And I, I just, you know, I initially get the idea on my phone mm-hmm. and then I sit down with my notebook to flesh it out, mm-hmm. you know, and also I'm a big fan of journaling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having a journaling notebook separate from your joke notebook could also be good. Right. Do you think because Taoism is involved in this philosophy of comedy, everything like yourself and everybody that you taught, do you think they've reached a higher state of being as well and being as being like a funnier comedian? Well, I don't know if I would say everyone. OK, fair. But I, I do get contacted. I mean, I was just saying to Chris a couple of days ago, like mm-hmm. I, my book came out 10 years ago mm-hmm. and not a week goes by that at least one person who I've never met before in my life reaches out to me either on social media or email or something to tell me that my book changed their life. Wow. That's amazing. So it, it was, I mean, it's all worth it just for mm-hmm. that. That is, that is kind of what's, you know, for as the, the, sort of tumultuous journey especially financially of doing any and all of this getting those sorts of things makes it like yeah that's why i put in all the hours yeah because it basically took me eight years from the time i had the idea mm-hmm. of the book until it was a book you could hold in your hand yeah Damn. Um, but i just think comedy has become too hack oh yeah it's become too too um too caricature too much of a caricature Sure. Versus a persona, um, mm-hmm. too much of kind of a single through line. 
Um, and, and the whole idea of formulas for jokes just drives me crazy. Do you and think that, that like comes and goes? I feel like it, that, that's like a pendulum that swings, you know, becomes like two like that. And then every good thing gets more free form and then it gets swings back. Well, I think, I mean, if we're talking about people who, you know, teach comedy, teach the craft, I think there's always people who do it in a pure way and there's always people who do it in a hack way yes and i feel like you can you can tell who's had which class by watching you know when you see somebody on stage right oh for sure i yeah. definitely can clock everybody who's read the comedy bible yes and part of why i called my book the Tao of comedy is to show a contrast between that and the comedy bible yes Absolutely. Which is very, very prescriptive. And I've tried to read it several times. I've tried to read several comedy books several right. times. And I start to read it and then I see myself throwing it on the ground. <laughs> and then well, you I, manifest that in reality and you actually throw it on the ground. I did well no, I like I don't even realize I'm throwing it on the ground until I see myself doing it. Because it was just something like I read something that's like, what? And I just wanted to get it like as far away from me. Right. Is there like specific things that you find hacking comedy today that you would like to have stopped? Oh God! Um, <laughs> How long is this podcast? Is it what you were going to say? Well, I think first, the main thing is that idea that it, you have to have one talk about one thing and one thing only. Sure. You know, like I've got a friend who is hilarious, mm -hmm. hilarious comic, and every time we hang out, they say the funniest shit, mm -hmm. and I will always say, "Oh, you should put that in your act," mm -hmm. and they're like, "It doesn't fit my character." Oh. And I'm like, but you thought of it and then you said it. So therefore it does fit your character. Right. You know, so that whole idea of like you're one thing and you can never stray from that. Like if you're the put upon guy, you can never tell a joke about something going your way. Right. You know, but also that kind of thing where some comedy classes make you stand up in front of the, the class and have the other people in class tell you what you look like. Oh, God first of all what a way to make enemies what a way to make and i mean this sounds like like a curb your enthusiasm version of a comedy class <laughs> only curb is funny yeah curb is funny but i mean like oh my god what a brutal way to start well, a class i don't give a fuck what you think i look like right. or what kind of comedy you think i should be doing like people say oh well you're the angry guy or you're the slutty girl or you're the that's ridiculous right so to me, it's being all sides of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So sometimes you are angry. Sometimes you are slutty. Sometimes you are nerdy. Right. So, you know, only talking about one thing and, and sticking to things like when people say, oh, you can, you're this certain ethnicity, so you can only talk about being that ethnicity. No. And they're like, I'm half this and half that. I don't know whether to blank or blank. I, I mean, if people are still teaching that in 2022 stop they are <laughs> or 2023 yeah uh yeah. and in 2025 
in 2025. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, it's one of my least favorite things that I ever hear in a stand-up set is like, I'm half this, I'm half that. So I'm the only person in the room that like fill in hack punchline. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah, talk about your ethnicity. If there's something you want to say about your ethnicity, talk about being a woman. If you there's something you want to say about being a woman, but right, right. but talk about all the things. Talk about all the things and make it personal because that's what's going to be original. Yeah, like like you know, I, I I'm I'm blurry, but I guess it doesn't matter. It's just us. Right, right, right. But maybe if I turn it off and turn back on, mm-hmm. but um. You know, like I say, you should be able to, like, let's say, uh, just off the top of my head, you're an Indian guy. Mm-hmm. You should be able to do a show with 10 Indian guys right. who are all around your age, mm-hmm. and you should all be able to have different jokes. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, right. And so if you can do that... And yes, you can still talk about your ethnicity. You can still talk about your age. You can still talk about, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But just not doing the same thing that's been done to death. Right. Absolutely. And that, and there, I would also say, like, to anybody doing comedy, coming up in comedy, like, it's also very important as much as to do it, to watch it. But don't just watch a little bit. No. Because then I think it's really easy to pick up somebody else's style. Sure. You know, like every young dude wants to, every young white dude wants to be Bill Burr. Sure. You and know. So many young female comics, whether they know or not, like want to be Eliza or Whitney. Yeah. That's yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just hear it all the time. At Mike's, and I'm like, oh my, do you even know that you're doing this? I think part of it is because the other thing that I teach is to be process-oriented versus results-oriented. Okay. Because if all you have in mind is this particular goal, that's, let's say that goal is to be on Comedy Central. Right. Okay. By the way, I call things like Comedy Central the comedy industrial complex. Oh, sure. Entertainment industrial complex. So... Uh, in order to get on Comedy Central, their demographic is like young dudes. So you have to pass a gatekeeper, you know, who's looking for somebody who will appeal to young dudes. So if if all you think about is, you know, that end goal, Mm -hmm. like to be marketable or to be whatever, it's going to get in there. It's going to infect your act, not just affect, but infect. And it's going to turn you into the kind of comic that would get past a particular gatekeeper. But that doesn't mean that you're being, you know, a good comic or yeah. being true to yourself or even not wasting your time. Right. <laughs> I mean, what, what as much as you have to go through to be a comic, mm-hmm. you know, as many like times you have to drive out somewhere by yourself, you know, pay 20 bucks to park, go sit in some dark basement, you know, for like mm-hmm. three hours waiting for your time to go up and do five minutes. Like, why would you go through all of that? And not express what you care about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, that's just crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy. And that's, I mean, I'm sure you're a lot, like, anyone who, I don't know how people get it in their heads, especially now, but anyone who's trying to get into comedy to get rich and or famous, quit. Yes. Quit. It's so hard that you're not going to want to do any of that. 
Yeah, there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of comedians. And that's just in L.A. Yeah. And there's like, what, a hundred famous ones? Mm -hmm. There's like, what, five late night talk show hosts, you know? Like, if you're doing it just for that, you're going to wake up 20 years from now and realize you missed the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. You missed the whole thing. So why not do it as a way to express yourself, as a way to, like, speak truth to power? And, mm-hmm. and that's another thing I think, I, you know, another big problem with comedy is it used to be, like Chris Rock said, you pick on the person that's got it coming. Right. You know, but now comedy has got to where they pick on the underdog, a lot of people. And you're not supposed to like make fun of homeless people for being homeless. You're supposed to make fun of the system that put them there. Right. I mean, that's the interesting thing is like, I feel like comedy is fractured in that because there are plenty of people I know who make fun of Rick Caruso uh, and like his faux performative ideas of trying to help homeless people. Yes. And he he's feels like a guy that has it coming because he's Mr. Grove, the Grove. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, where is it just like edge lordy 20 slash 30 slash 40 something guys? Is that all that is? I would say mostly, but not all. Okay. I mean, I, I do even see some young people and even some women doing it. You know, there's this whole kind of backlash mm-hmm. to um, what they what these people used to call politically correct, and now mm-hmm. um, and now they're they're calling it woke. Yeah. The, you know, there's the anti woke. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, and so a lot of people are like, I'm going to show them. I'm going to be the vilest person I can be. I'm going to talk about the worst possible stuff. Right. Um, and and uh, good for you. I don't know. I mean. Right. One day you wake up, you realize, oh, I am this person. Right. Yeah. I always find it fascinating that there's almost like backlash content wise, especially in comedy, it's almost inevitable. Like I'm starting to see this premise float around with a lot of female comics or female identifying comics that like um, the idea of men going to therapy, like perhaps they overdid it. Because now guys are too sensitive. (laughs) And it's like, you know, that starts off like a decent enough, interesting premise. But then that could go, I feel like, potentially down a prob- problematic road. Yeah. And and come on, who's I don't know any men that are too sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> like right. we could use a little more sensitivity. Guys. Right. Or with gay men, uh, it's been interesting to note that they feel like they're losing in gay culture, becoming a little more mainstream and accepted. They feel like they're losing it in a way where they're like, sometimes they're like, I wish like gay marriage was illegal so it would be fun again. Yes, I've heard a lot of that. And and I think, sure, if you want to talk about that, cool. But mm-hmm. find a way to talk about it everyone else hasn't done to death already. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's... You that... actually, if you're writing from your personal experience... Mm-hmm. If you're writing from like completely, you're showing up in your own life. You're not writing something everyone else has done a million times. Right. Only if you're being cliche and caricature, you know, being a caricature, mm-hmm. um, that's when you are, you know, right. kind of repeating everything everyone else says. Right. 
Because I do firmly believe you you have like there is probably a unique Uber story you have or like a unique experience you've had at the airport. But as long as you get very personal and tell it from your perspective, it's not going to feel old or tired. Yeah. I mean, that even happened with COVID. Like when people do like there were hack COVID jokes and then people had like very specific experiences with how they went through quarantine and then and made it funny. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of true of like everything. Just, you know, that's why I said don't watch a little bit of comedy. You know, watch a lot of comedy because there's many ways, different ways to be a comedian as there are to be a person. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you want to tap into. And this whole woke thing, you know, what's happening is um, that more people have a seat at the table. Oh, yeah. And the people who used to be the only people that had a seat at the table are mad that other people are sitting with them. Yeah. Absolutely. So it used to be you, you know, comedy was only like in clubs, like nightclubs, right. and you had to have money to be able to go to them. And you were usually white and you were, you know, upper class. And so they could make fun of people's accents and do racist stuff because those people weren't in the room. Right. You know, but now comedy is, you know, um, it's accessible to everyone, mm -hmm. not just to hear it, but to do it. Right. So now we get to hear the perspectives of the people that, that, I don't know, Don Rickles, just mm -hmm. throw it out there, has been talking about for all making fun of for all these years. We get to hear their perspective, not just on on who they are, but making fun back right. of, you know, other people. And they just the 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 people who are butthurt about it, mm -hmm. they just can't stand that there are more people that have access to comedy and that more people um have a voice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're no longer the biggest voice, the loudest voice, or the only voice in the room. Or the funniest. Right. And here's the thing. They never were the funniest. No, they weren't. Obvious. Yeah. And they just didn't want to confront that truth to themselves. Yeah. I mean, they. it's easy to go in and make a bunch of people just like you laugh. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know? And now that's been, you know, PC culture or whatever the fuck. Right. Uh, one thing I've always enjoyed about, I, I, I've known that you've held these sort of philosophies for a long, long time, but you kind of in, in weave them into your venue for the listeners. How, how, like, what do you, what, what is it? How do you run Dow comedy studio that upholds these principles and ideals that you have? Well, um, we, we, uh, you know, we're an intersectional feminist comedy space. Mm-hmm. There are lots of different types of feminism, but intersectional feminist is um, uh, feminist that understand that it's not just about white women. Mm -hmm. It's not just about able-bodied women. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not just about, you know, uh, upper class women. It's not just about women. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, so we basically everything I've ever created from my my Riot Girl Festival to Dow, to my open mics, everything I created as a reaction to bad experiences that I had. Mm -hmm. So I got tired of um, just sitting through rape joke after rape joke. Mm -hmm. And not by the way, no, like we, we have a no pro rape joke policy. Mm -hmm. We don't have a no rape joke policy. Right. 
because you can talk about rape culture. You can talk, a lot of comics have been assaulted. You know, you can talk about that. But we have a, 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 a no, yay, rape joke. Right. Right. Um, and so when we did that, which, by the way, we tried everything until we did that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, how they're like, why does it say on the shampoo bottle not to eat this? They had, there's a reason they had to put that on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so we, tr- you know, when I was running comedy shows and open mics and other people's venues, I would listen to rape jokes and I wouldn't like it, but I would just, you know, and move on. By the way, we did, we lost an open mic venue once because somebody, a guy told a joke that offended the, the, female co-owner mm-hmm. um, a rape joke mm-hmm. um and so but when i when i opened dow and i was paying the rent and paying like for more paying for more than my house dow cost more than my house mm-hmm. you know um it I just every time i'd go in there i just felt like i could like rape jokes were stuck all over the walls right. you know and I've, I've been up front about this you know i've been assaulted i've been raped i can't have kids because of it mm-hmm. um and so i just I, I talked to the guys who would come there and I said, you know, can y'all lay off the rape jokes? You know, I don't like it. The other women don't like it or whatever. I tried talking to them. It didn't work. Right. Uh, they started doing it worse. Mm-hmm. I told them my experience. I told them that I'd been raped. I told them one in four women have been sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. And among comics, I think that number's actually higher. Mm-hmm. And they still didn't stop. So Chris mm-hmm. actually... My husband came up with the idea of the no pro rape joke policy. I'm the one that gets the death threats, but he came up with the idea. And then once we came up with that rule, Mm -hmm. the assholes, the the douchebags just self-deported. Yeah. They left. And so many people, including men, said, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you for doing that. This mic was starting to become toxic. Mm -hmm. So thank you for doing that. So that's part of it. What we do is, so we want LA Weekly's best place for women comics. Mm-hmm. And so it's because we have intentional, um, we, we do intentional things. Like uh, our bathrobes are always very clean. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Uh, and stocked. You will never go in there. If you go in there and there's no toilet paper or paper towels, then mm-hmm. I am dead. <laughs> we have right. free tampons in the bathroom. Right. Um, you When... Someone, there was another comedy place, which I can tell you off air what it was. And one of my former, one of my comic, former students, a comic, he said, he told me that he told the owner, he said, I heard some women talking about how disgusting your bathroom was. And I feel like maybe if you would clean your bathroom, you could have more women comics here. Mm -hmm. And the owner goes, then they shouldn't come. (laughs) They can pee before they get here. So basically a, a huge signal that you don't want women there is having a disgusting bathroom. Yeah. Um, so we make sure that w- w- women have gone on stage and done their whole set mm-hmm. about an open mic they just came from. Oh, yeah. All the rape jokes or how gross their bathroom was or, right. you know. We also have no more than 50% uh, male comics on the lineup. Mm-hmm. So if we hit 50% uh, of the show is a, is men then we put them to future shows so that we never accidentally don't book enough women we also stop when we have a few spots left and go are there any people of color in this show are there any lgbt people in this show and if they're not then i will reach out to people i know and say hey we've got a spot in this you know 
it's you have to make an effort mm -hmm. you know we uh just put in a wheelchair accessible bathroom cost a fortune mm -hmm. just got wheel uh ramps for both mm -hmm. our our stages cost a fortune but you know what you're not really intersectional feminist if you're not accessible right right so we we do our women only open mic longest running women's mic in los angeles mm -hmm. it actually predates dow mm -hmm. uh and we have an lgbt plus allies mic mm -hmm. and you know we just we just try to make you know because we have i have bl blind spots I'm a white person, you know, I've, I've, I, somebody posted, so, you know, a flyer or whatever. And I commented, uh, no women on this flyer. Mm -hmm. And someone wrote back and said, yeah, Bobby, there are also no people of color on this flyer. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit, mm -hmm. I have a huge blind spot, mm -hmm. you know? And so, it, so now we just try to make it our, our focus to be, um, make sure we're inclusive. And if somebody starts, you know, we don't allow, uh, uh, you know, if guys go on stage and start uh, harassing women from, you know, mm -hmm. female comics or other women in the audience or, you know, mm -hmm. we say, hey, change the subject. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you're not going to use our stage to bully someone. Right. And, and yeah, we get a lot of shit about it, but we're we've gotten a lot, a lot mm -hmm. more in the positive category. Right. You know. And also for all those, you know, tr transgressive, which I feel like is a word that it is a intended pun now. Uh, all those, all those comics that want to engage in like aggro humor that punches down. Yeah, turf stuff. Yeah, there's so many places for you to do that. Yeah. You oh, you're taking one away, just one. Yeah. And you're mad. You can go anywhere else, literally. Yeah, like when I don't let guys come to our Monday mic. Right. Like there's two hours a week in the whole world you're not allowed somewhere. Yeah. In one place. In, right. in, one in, place. Yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I I'm like comedybureau.com. A lot of <laughs> stuff there. Yeah. Go 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 to Boomtown. That's on Mondays. You can go. <laughs> So fourth wall, you can go. I mean, you could definitely go to the fourth wall or the Hollywood comedy and say whatever the hell you want. Yeah, you know. Uh -huh. Yeah, just hang out with commercial actors trying to do stand up. Listen to their rape jokes. <laughs> yeah, but but here's the thing about those open mics. Like we want uh, open mic reviews, best safe space mic, and best place mm -hmm. to do your first set. Mm -hmm. people are always like oh serious but well first of all i don't know about you but i feel like i take more risks mm -hmm. in comedy when i'm first like working a joke in places i feel comfortable yeah absolutely and also here's the thing these guys who go to almost all male open mics mm -hmm. there's a huge difference between an open mic and a comedy show sure boys control open mics mm -hmm. women control audiences mm-hmm so open mics skew young and male. Sure. Uh, and they're comedians and people tend to go there as a single person, not bringing their significant other with them. In comedy clubs, statistically, it was the woman's idea to go to the show. Right. She bought the tickets. Mm -hmm. You know, statistically, people go to comedy club. They skew older mm -hmm. and they skew at least 50% female or more. Right. And the and they go a lot in, in couples, mm -hmm. you know. 
And they're statistically, they're more heterosexual couples. Mm -hmm. So if you go to a comedy club, you go on stage and you say a bunch of stuff that's going to upset women and Mm -hmm. piss off women. First of all, gay guys don't usually like that either. No. You know, and uh, the women's not, women don't like it. And the guys sitting next to the woman would like to get laid again someday. Yep. So he's not going to laugh at your horrific rape joke. No. Even if he thinks it's funny. Mm-hmm. So learning to be able to make women laugh mm-hmm. equals success in comedy. Which is a sentence that shouldn't have to be said. <laughs> Everything <laughs> that we've talked about shouldn't have to be said. No, but as you were saying with the shampoo bottle having a warning about not yeah. eating it. So like the Laugh Right Girl Festival exists because I got tired of being one of few women in the comedy festivals. Mm-hmm. And also I went to the, I won this one comedy festival in LA and I went to the finals in Vegas mm-hmm. and the meet and greet between the comedians and the bookers was at a strip club. Wow. Wow. Great. Yeah. So not only was that anti-female, a gay guy doesn't necessarily want to go to a strip club. Yeah. And who and- wants to talk business with some girl's titties in your face? Right. And this wasn't even like a pro-sex worker thing. No, no. By the way, intersectional feminist is sex positive. Yeah. We're pro-sex worker. We're pro- but I don't, I feel uncomfortable <laughs> mm-hmm. talking to a booker when there's a naked woman standing next to me and the male booker. Yeah. I feel like that's definitively unprofessional. Yeah. Like yeah. Marty's used to have that picture that that one comic topless or whatever. You could see it from the stage. Oh, yeah. Who was a sex worker? Yeah. Which yeah. is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that place, oh my God, that place was like doing comedy in a crack house. Yeah, Marty. I mean, there's always like one spot with every era or class of comedy. I, at one point, it was um, Big Fish and Glendale. But Marty's is like this, you know, some some people sort of defend it like, oh, it was terrible, but I wouldn't be where I'm at without it. And I'm like, I think that was true for like three years and then it got worse. Yeah, and you maybe you wouldn't be where you're at. You might be <laughs> further. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Maybe you wouldn't be facing that rape charge. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Talking about somebody who loves telling rape jokes. Shout out to Marty. Yeah, his his uh, his Instagram said a safe place for your rape jokes. Great, great, great. Man. Go there, please. Go there. Go there and watch everybody not get laughs as you sip on free bad coffee um you want to do some comedy news huh you want to do some comedy news sure okay uh let's get into it first off the bat uh in 2023, HBO Max, uh, HBO as a subsidiary of Warner Discovery, um, is still getting stuff axed, uh, as David Zlaslov, uh wants to do. Uh, this latest cancellation or uh, rid or, you know, um, trimming of the fat, so to speak, comes with Looney Tunes. A bunch of classic Looney Tunes shorts that were available on HBO Max will no longer be available. <gasps> yeah, and that it, I think over 250 of them are not going to be able to be streamed on HBO Max. And that it's just, they're getting rid of so many things. 
that I think optics optics wise, whatever they're going to replace it with has to be so good to make up for all the ill will that they're building. And a lot of what they're doing is like, oh, all these things that we're getting rid of to, you know, bring us back into the black in our balance sheet is because we signed these deals with a bunch of residuals and we're just not going to do that anymore. So it's like, all right, so you're going to have shittier deals for all these new projects and programs and shows that are supposed to be better. Right. Is Elon Musk running HBO Max? Oh, I don't know. Let me check his Twitter. <laughs> Maybe he is. <laughs> so does that mean that these Looney Tunes um, cartoons are now no longer accessible anywhere? I mean, they'll probably show up on YouTube for a minute until they find another home. I mean, they always do, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's how we watched Charlie Brown, I think, or The mm-hmm. Grinch, one of those this time. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll end up on Pluto TV, on Roku, any number. I mean, but we're going to get... The... Most people won't be able to see that. I mean... Yeah. Well, the thing that's nice about Pluto and Roku is that you don't have to sign up or pay for anything. You can just watch it. Oh, you don't have to have a... You have to have a smart TV? Nope. Oh. For Pluto, you can actually just go online on your laptop and just tune in. You have to watch a bunch of ads, but there's no making an account. There's no nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's sad that the. I mean, that's like a. Those are classic. Those like gonna. There's this part of like the shaping of America. Right. It Looney- almost makes me want to get it because I have Looney Tunes on DVD, and it's like. Well, I don't get rid of your DVDs, folks. Yeah, we actually tried to watch The Grinch and Charlie Brown because we own them on DVD, and one and one of them wouldn't play at all, like oh. anymore. So, oh no, yeah, yeah. But I don't even have the. If I were to watch a DVD, the only way I could watch it is uh, through my roommate's PlayStation. Yeah, do they even make DVD players anymore? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think they do. But my goodness, I it's been so long since I've watched one. My first comedy tape uh, was on cassette. Right. And then we um, used to have to mail VHS tapes to bookers. Mm-hmm. And that got expensive. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason DVD was even invented is that it actually took up less space than a VHS cassette. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a disc and a smaller jewel case. But, um, well, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, fuck HBO. They're, I feel like they're, I've said this before, but I feel like they're on the road to becoming no longer a prestige uh, network anymore. Yeah, I just, I'm so curious as to what they're going to end up being. And weren't there shows that had already, weren't already in the can? Yeah, so Minx. Aired them? No, this, Minx had, had a critically acclaimed, I guess, good enough, like, first season got renewed, they were in the middle of production, and then they are like, you're unrenewed and now canceled. That's insane. They're That's playing ab- on people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Wasn't there some superhero movie or some, like, Supergirl? Batgirl. Or- that girl oh. was already done, already in the can, and they're like, no. Um, and I think that's all mainly based off of a tax loophole. That if they were going to claim it as a loss, they had to not release uh, it or something like that. 
But you ought to have to mitigate your your chances of not having a loss. You have to be able to prove you tried to not lose money on it. Right. I mean, I don't know that I'm not I'm not David Zaslov, uh, and I'm not in charge of a network. But I mean, there's got to be a better way to yes. do this. There's got to be a better way to do this. Uh, next story. Um, Chelsea Handler is mulling a return to having her own late night talk show. Um, she got to fill in for Jimmy Kimmel last summer. She's about to um, fill in as one of the fill-in hosts of The Daily Show as they, as Comedy Central looks for a new host. Um, and having gotten to do it last year and looking forward to doing it this year, um, she is excited, has a spark again to do it, especially since uh, the world of late night um keeps it keeps changing and it keeps not changing so like that you know sam b's gone trevor noah left yeah sam b needs to come back sam b needs to come chelsea handler's great but we also need sam samantha b's politics take yeah absolutely i mean i do very much enjoy how pointed z-way is Oh, love! Oh my God, I love Z-Way. Yeah. yeah, she should she should host something huge. Is she on HBO? She's on Showtime. Oh, she's she, on Showtime. She just oh, finished well, her second season. Black Lady Sketch Show, like I guess, is on HBO. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. It's perfection. You should watch Michael Che be interviewed by Z-Way. Oh, I, does she rip him apart? <laughs> yes, because he asked what the word marginalized means, and oh and God. I, and, he, and she's like, aren't you the head writer of Saturday Night Live? Yeah, but he, uh, yeah. That's where I wonder, like, people in those positions, like, Chappelle asked this in his fucking special, like, oh, I didn't know what the word feminism meant. I'm like, are you kidding me? Or are you doing this as a bit? Yeah. Somebody who, like, is a thinker, you didn't know what the word feminism meant? You don't own a dictionary? Yeah. Uh yeah, so I I don't know I it's like are are is he trolling Z Way by not saying he doesn't know what uh marginalized means or does he just literally not know? Well, he definitely doesn't know what feminism means. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, no. Uh, Michael Che can always be counted on to have the shitty take on whatever women's issue is going on. Yeah, and it's like, what is this insistence? Is it's almost a double dog dare or whatever, like this mentality of like, all right, I've been told not to say this. We'll just do it more. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What is with that? The, the it's mostly straight cis men and Milo Ianopoulos. What's with it is they've gotten away with it every time they've done it before. Right. They've suffered no consequences. Mm -hmm. So that is a you know, that is the yeah. result of never, never suffering consequences for that particular language. Yeah, which uh, segues perfectly into this next story, it, which is, uh, I would say, tangentially it related to comedy, but I think important. Um, uh, chauvinist, I should say, uh, <laughs> social media influencer and head of crime ring and accused alleged uh, uh, human trafficker, Andrew Tate. Um was just arrested uh, under charges in Romania for uh, basically trafficking girls into doing porn in a compound that he had with uh, other conspir conspirators. Um, 
in looking up his story, because I had not really heard much or like read up uh, much of him, he has built an empire online through social media of being like just a total dickhead and unapologetic to, shall I say, anything that's woke. And uh, anytime he, there, there have been times where he, in receiving criticism, he would respond that he was doing a character, that it was all kind of a joke. And um, I don't think that's a viable defense. Hilarious. Huh? It is hilarious. It is hilarious because, it, yeah, I mean, that is, there's no way that that guy, and I mean, I can only say this from my own subjective opinion, but, you know, I don't think he's intentionally ever funny. Right. Yeah. But I love how he was there. Like, I didn't really know who he was. He's probably a men's rights advocate, right? Oh, for, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, men's rights yeah. activists MRA, the, yeah. the manosphere. Mm-hmm. But I did, when I, when I saw what was happening, I, uh, I, I looked at the thing or whatever, and he's in like a red bathrobe and it's open. Mm-hmm. And he's smoking a cigar. It's oh, like and eating pizza. Yeah. 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 This is the real pizza gate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just looks like such a fool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, I love it that he, what happened? He was uh, fighting yeah, he, with Greta. Oh, he's fighting with Greta Thunberg. Uh, yeah, he had posted a picture of one of his uh, many supercars, a Bugatti Veyron, I believe. And he tweeted something at her about like, oh, this is the uh, my like mileage my car gets. Um and he has three cars or something. Yeah, which is like, I I think it's almost hacked to compare like cars to how disproportionately small your penis size is as a guy. But I feel like it's applicable here because it's like you're making up for it so much. Yeah, like how alpha is it to tease a teenage girl that you have a bunch of cars? Yeah, it's, you know? it's pathetic. And I love that because he decided to just attack her for no reason, mm-hmm. that's how he got busted. Yeah. Oh, is that, is that, has everyone concluded that? Yes, because he um, posted mm-hmm. uh, himself in the bathroom with a pizza box. Right. You know, having just eaten pizza, right. the Romanian authorities knew where he was, that they'd been looking for him based on where that pizza chain is. Uh-huh. <laughs> they knew he was a human trafficker. So Greta cleaning up the environment. Right. In more ways than one. More ways than one. Right. That's the best. Yes. Uh yeah. He is not the only toxic person to claim that they're just doing comedy. The aforementioned Miley Annopolis has probably used that excuse. Oh yeah. The Nazi. Yeah. yeah. Who yeah, just because you're just because you're gay, uh, people doesn't mean you can't be bad. Everybody can have shitty opinions. <laughs> Every everybody can have shitty. Opinions. I can't wait to hear that Jesus was just doing a character. Uh huh. <laughs> After people built entire religions on him, just doing a character. Right. Then the the uh, turning over the tables that the temple was just a bit. <laughs> He forgot what he was going to say next, so he just... <laughs> oh, he, yeah, he lost his set list, so he's like, oh, I'll just, like, throw stuff. That'll work. <laughs> That's yeah. how Comiker got started. 
that is how Gallagher, yes, yeah, I his smashing of a watermelon was out of protest of selling things at a temple. <laughs> you know, you mentioned earlier that you feel like comedy is so hack now. I don't disagree, but also I think there's this dichotomy of it being very hack, but also great. Like for all the rape jokes that exist, like, I mean, you see it at your own venue. There are plenty of, you know, people that are trans immigrant people doing very original humor. That is great. And there's like more of that as there is more access and there is lower barriers of entry. Yes. Yeah. And I think it also depends on where you go see it. Yeah. So I think mostly a lot of people are teaching hat comedy, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of really good comics coming mm -hmm. up in, in the scene at the same time. And I think that's, that has to do with, are you going to a major comedy club? Right. Especially one that tends to be bro -y, Yeah. Like the comedy store. Or are you going to like all of these underground places that do comedy mm -hmm. um, who, that are just like all over LA and not necessarily in a comedy club per se. Right. Right. There's some so, really good alternative stuff going on everywhere. Absolutely. And the, it does require you to look a little bit, but not even that much. And I do my best to make it easy for people. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it is closer than you think it's cheaper than you think it's better than you think it's better than you think and a lot of these uh, almost a hundred percent of these places don't even have a drink or item minimum yeah yeah we don't our drinks are just by donation mm -hmm. and you're not required to buy any i am a firm believer that if you for a comedy venue if you create an experience where people are having a great time they will want to spend more on drinks or food than if you had forced them to. Yeah, and they will come back. Yes, which is important. That's always the fascinating thing of, to me about The Stand in New York, which is very, very, very much a comedy club. And uh, depending on what night you go, very bro -y. And like, they don't have an item in a room. But they, they, what they have done is they have made a restaurant that people go to eat at and not even watch the comedy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Ice House kind of does that too, or did. Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll see what <laughs> food they get this time <laughs> after all this time. I mean, Flappers actually has a really good food menu. Flappers does have good food. Flappers actually has better food than the comedy store in the, and better drinks than the Laugh Factory. I mean, the comedy store, what they call food. It took them forever to even get food. And then what they're calling food yeah. is not food. But yeah. Flappers, I mean, the best chocolate chip cookies in comedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they yeah. like, they have a full menu. They, uh, it's really good. And yeah. I love playing there because you get to eat free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is one of the things you'll hear about Flappers in the LA comedy scene. They're like, the food is actually really good. And they have a two item minimum, not a two drink minimum. Yes. Some places, it doesn't matter if you get a steak, you still have to buy two drinks. Yeah, they're really trying. They just get every bit of those margins they possibly can. But then they just make it so expensive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in New York, it's even crazier. I've seen there are plenty of venues that do a dollar minimum. Like they, they, they want to make sure there's no way you can weasel your way out. Yeah. 
So you're like, all right, pick a drink or food. You got to spend at least eighteen dollars. Ah, uh, yeah. On top of cover. Sounds like Musso and Franks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So going going headfirst into 2023, knowing that there there are elements and facets where comedy is hack and bad and full of bad actors, but also there are plenty of people that are illuminating and pushing the art form forward. What are you looking forward to doing yourself and with Dow this year? Um, well, I mean that we have two rooms mm -hmm. and so I'd like to be able to utilize the, the new room as much as possible. Three, no? because of the patio. Oh yeah. Cause the patio, when it's, when it's not raining or freezing, the patio is killer. Yeah. I want to start listing down on more location shoot places so people mm -hmm. can come like film there and stuff. Cause there's so many beautiful moments right. there you can find. I'd love to have some improv going on at Dow. Mm -hmm. uh, we had improv in the past. We haven't had it in a while. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just continue to. So I just feel like, you know, like I said, everything I did is based on a, a bad experience I had. Mm -hmm. I just want to continue to provide the kind of experience that I want to have mm -hmm. when I do comedy somewhere. Right. And so, like, that's why we have the the mic cards where, you know, you get assigned every time and then you get a free mic. Mm -hmm. That's why we give you not just a drink with the five dollars, but a large selection of drinks. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that that's why we, you know, have ramps and clean bathrooms. And, you know, we just want to continue to, um, you know, to create a space. And that's the great thing about comedy, especially in L.A., if you want to go somewhere that if you don't like a place you are, you can find the opposite of that scene somewhere else. Oh yeah. You can sure. make your own scene. Yeah. So, you know, the, I always say if you go to a place mm -hmm. and the place makes you feel not welcome mm -hmm. and makes you feel shitty, don't go back and give them any more money. No. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So fine. And, and if I always say, Make your own opportunities, mm -hmm. create the things you want to see, and then reach back for someone. Right. And no no one venue or show or person is going to necessarily make or break you. Right. Yes. There, I always say that to people who take my, my workshops. There, there, nothing is your big break. Yeah. It's about a body of work over time. Mm-hmm. If you just go into every show like there's nothing riding on this, mm -hmm. you're going to be uh, less nervous, happier. You're going to be funnier. Right. You know, it's not about where's this going to get me. It's right. not a means to an end. And the audience can read that, too. When you're carrying that energy, like, I need, I need to do I need this. this. Yeah. yeah. They can... Yeah. Alan Watts says the purpose of dancing is not to land on a certain spot on the floor when the music stops. Mm -hmm. The purpose of dancing is to dance. Yeah. So the purpose of doing comedy is not to get something from it. Right. It's to do comedy. Mm -hmm. To express yourself. Right. I want. Does that philosophy extend to the actual like structure of a joke? It's not even about the punchline. It's about the journey. Um, well, I mean, I believe in a good punchline. I believe in a good, well-written joke, you yeah. know. Right. Um, but I do think you have to be, 
you should know about about comedy devices mm -hmm. but not try to make every idea you have fit into a particular device mm -hmm. like let it tell you how it wants to be told right yeah absolutely because i you know as well as i do there are so many well-written jokes that we've seen just be torpedoed by people who are nervous or just don't know how to literally tell a joke and don't know how to pause and don't know how to pause I would wager money, as I'm sure this is like what your book is based off of, too, that one of the first revelatory moments that most comedians coming up have is like the first time they pause and they get a laugh from pausing. Yes. Yes. You tell the audience what's funny and how funny it is based on where you pause and how long you hold the pause. Yeah. And, you know, you'll start to wait like what you thought was the funny part, like you just were getting through the premise and you were, right. because you paused, you got to laugh. Yeah. When a comic realizes that it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. Uh huh. You have your part and the audience has their part mm -hmm. and their part is in the pause. Mm -hmm. And that's where the magic really happens. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I mean, and the more you do it, the more you can find, you know, you can, sort of shift gears and all that but yeah the, there's nothing quite like just savoring all all of this you know art that you came up with yeah i mean what's the point of writing a well-written joke if you step on all the laughs yeah absolutely <laughs> i will say one of, the, one of the first open mics i went to days in glendale remember that what was it the days in in glendale oh oh yeah yeah yeah, there was a guy who, like, I think he, I forgot the exact joke, but it was a one-liner joke, but he just said the setup and the punchline all in one breath, and then then he took a beat and then realized, oh, I fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> you and take said, a break between the uh -huh. setup to give them a chance to get the wrong idea and to form the wrong idea so you can shatter that idea with the punchline. Mm -hmm. So you pause both after yeah. and between. Yeah. And he said, oh, I fucked it up. And that got a big laugh because that, Mike, you weren't allowed to curse. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt... When fuck that up, right? Uh, is there anything come up uh, in, in Dow that you'd like to highlight? I don't know when you're when this comes out tomorrow. Oh yes, the Dow tenth anniversary party slash open house. Mm -hmm. uh, come eat cake, mm -hmm. party, dance mm -hmm. um, with us. Uh, there will be no comedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to run a good party with some comedy. Not intentionally, anyway. And uh, everybody, please watch my comedy special. Mm -hmm. It's on Amazon Prime. But if you don't want to give Jeff Bezos a dollar, mm -hmm. you can watch it on my website, bobbyoliver.net, or on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's called Bobby Oliver Greatest Hits. Uh -huh. It's an hour and 45 minutes mm -hmm. of me just straight standing on stage, telling like my favorite jokes from 30 years of doing comedy, mm -hmm. plus some new stuff. And it was taped right before the shutdown. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, talk about timing. Like, March 10th? It was taped February. February, okay. Yeah. February 2020. Yeah, I think, you, yeah, you're right on that cusp. That was right when, like, tapings were scheduled around there in March, and most of them got shut down, namely Lewis Black, 
Moses Storm are the ones that come to mind. But they were like planning to finish these tours and then tape a special and then nope. Yep. Yep. We got really lucky. Yeah. And then you didn't have to tape it at the Rose Bowl with people in their cars four months later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, one of the reasons I took over the other room is so we could have the whole outdoor space right. and utilize it. Yeah. Which, um, is so, which is so nice. Yeah. We tried to be really safe. We tried to be a literal safe space. Mm hmm. We still have free N95 masks for anybody who wants them. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. People yeah, we have, yeah. I have packs of N95 masks on the bar for right. people to take, and we all use them, and we have, still have mic covers. Right. We've it, we've uh, individually supported the mic cover business. <laughs> Single-handedly. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have anything to say? Like, if you had one thing to impart for uh, people that are – looking to do stand up as their new year's resolution for 2023 what would you like to share you have to be bad before you're good yes you have to live through being bad your only job right now is to live through it mm -hmm. every time you live through it you get better at it yes and people comedy fans they only see the finished product mm -hmm. of their their favorite comics they only see the the album the end result the special they don't see how many times that joke didn't work before it finally worked yeah or the years i i i always like to liken it like this like a a, a batting average for the baseball hall of fame meaning you're one of the best baseball players of all time is somewhere around 300 which means you hit the ball three times out of 10 on average. So similarly in comedy, even the greats spent most of their time being God awful. Yes. And then you just only see that those, you know, three tenths that it's like, Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest misconception that people have when they start doing comedy is that it's easy. Right. And in fact, for those of you who start out, because, you know, I don't know, you did a, a set at your friend's bat mitzvah or, you know, you were hanging with friends and you were drunk and they put you on stage or whatever it was. And it went well. Just know that whenever you inevitably bomb, it's going to hurt worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you like, oh, I know how to do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just because you bomb, it doesn't mean you're not good. It means no. you're. No. And that's I would say what is the like. Not that there's any Bill Cosby truthers out there, but there is plenty of interviews where he said he claims he's only bombed once. <sighs> and I'm like, oh, this guy just lives in another reality. There's no way that that's true. Right. And in his defense, they were passed out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would have laughed. They would have laughed. And he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have put, you know, a Spanish fly in all of their drinks. Just one. Not that much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not that much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bobby, it's been a delight having you on. Thank you so much for joining me on this first episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report for 2023. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Absolutely. Um, where can people find you online? And is there anything else you would like to promote? Um, well, uh, the Dow website is DowComedyStudio.com and Dow is spelled T as in Tom, A-O, mm -hmm. ComedyStudio.com. Mm -hmm. uh, my website is BobbyOliver.net, B-O-B-B-I-E. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still on Twitter for now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you sign up for Hive Social and Mastodon and all that stuff? Social? No, I'm not, I don't need another addiction. <laughs> I don't really want to. It's like, oh, am I running out of heroin? Okay, I guess I'll get on Coke. Uh-huh. Like, no, I'm just going to, when I quit, I'll, I'll quit. Right. But yeah. yeah, we have shows on Saturday nights. Uh, very diverse show, which makes for a funnier show. Mm-hmm. Um, we have five open mics a week. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a comedian's depression support group. Yeah, I'm glad you're still keeping that going. Yeah, so if you're a comedian, then you're obviously depressed. Right. Get us up. Mm-hmm. That's amazing because, to my knowledge, I, I don't even know if Jamie Masada kept this up, but like the Laugh Factory is the only club, in my knowledge, that has an on staff therapist. Oh, they probably need one. <laughs> yeah, they do. As long as Jamie's there, they will need an on. <laughs> well, one for the performers and the audience. <laughs> the staff, mostly. <laughs> yes, the staff. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, uh, we're, we don't have a therapist. We're just a support group where, you know, people talk right. about how much everything sucks. Yeah, yeah. Because even though I feel like comedy these days talks so much about mental health, it's still not enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's still not enough. And so, you don't have to have a punchline. No, in- you don't. <laughs> That's, you could just... Like, don't, don't come working material on me in the depression group. <laughs> Yeah, you can you can go do that at AA. You can do that at your therapist. Uh huh. And that sliding scale therapy is real. You can uh you can absolutely afford it. Um, I'm Jake Kroger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com at the Comedy Bureau across socials. You can find me on Instagram at not the supermarket and on Twitter at I'm Jake Kroger. So many great causes to support this time, but uh, if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau. Uh, so I can. Keep the lights on all throughout 2023 and beyond, especially I just had to re-up my trademark, um, which was not cheap. Oh, that's so expensive. It is. You think it's it's just a matter of uh, some government official saying, sure. And then, but it's a very expensive, sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it is. takes months. It, yeah, I just filled out the application. Who knows? I don't think it, anything will go wrong with it, but yeah. Um, and asked if we were trying to trademark the word comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "But how though? In what class are you going to be selling merch for comedy?" Yeah, like, no, we don't. We don't own comedy. No, we don't. No, I'm not saying I own comedy. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to say as we sign off here, Bobby? Uh, just I texted somebody your uh, thecomedybureau.com today who had called me looking for open mics. Oh, thank you. And it's on my syllabus. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. You know what's crazy is there are people who have known me for a long time. They'll have my number. They'll text me like, hey, is like anything good happening tonight? And then I'll text them the website. <laughs> like, what do you what do you think I've been doing all day? <laughs> um Live comedy, of course, is still happening, and you should go watch and enjoy it. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it! The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And... 
part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.